HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd. I want to welcome in studio the author of Cured, Handcrafted, Charcuteria, and More, Charles Wexelbaum. Welcome. Thank you, Diane. You're very welcome. He's here in the flesh. It's great to be here. <laughs> and we made it made it to Roberta's before the rain downpour began. But we're hearing thunder and lightning, so it's exciting. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm delighted to uh, have met you at various places during the Fancy Food Show and have you in the studio. Your new book is beautiful. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. So anyway, first, can you give us a short summary of how you became, what is a person who cures called? I don't think I don't think there's an official name for it. <laughs> uh, it's kind of curer. a person, a curer. Okay. A charcutier. Oh, charcutier. Salumier. Okay. Oh, okay. Salumier. Uh, that sounds but good. It's really you know someone. I I call myself someone who makes cured meats. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. I call. I I was referring to you as the meat guy. Uh, that too. <laughs> that works. <laughs> okay. So how did you become? How did you pick meat as what you wanted to do? Uh, it's um, how did I pick meat? It was um, what a, a few years ago. Um, I was kind of at an impasse in my life, and I had always been very interested in sort of the way you could take a piece of something that's so highly perishable as a piece of raw meat mm-hmm. and by doing the opposite of freezing it or cooking it and leaving it in the zone where it's most prone to spoilage for long periods of time, you can mm-hmm. actually make it do the opposite of spoil. Hmm. Uh, I always thought 
you know, it was just kind that of... That was cool. It was cool. It was really cool. And then, uh, so it was like something that, you know, I'd sort of thought about in my spare time, I guess. And then... Uh, <laughs> but, um, kind of an uh, interesting thing to think about yeah, in one's know, spare all, time. We've all got our hobbies, you know, okay. our interests. But um, anyways, uh, so about six or so years ago, I was sort of at an impasse and uh, I had to make a decision uh, what to do next with my life. And... Um, I uh, I had been getting more and more interested in this type of food production, mm-hmm. and um, I just said, you know what? Let's just do this thing, and let's just <laughs> turn it into a you know. Let me try to do this for my work, uh-huh. and uh, let's try to let me try to make a business out of it, mm. and um, and so so that's what happened. And I I, I was sort of captivated by the, the you know a lot of the romance surrounding this type of production you know meats hanging for long periods of time and mm-hmm. kind of damp humid environments <laughs> and, and i really like, shouldn't laugh because i hang around with cheese I makers mean, you know, i mean it's a similar damp it's environment same, it's the same <laughs> kind of nerdery <laughs> it's a, but right. um but yeah so i just and decided to go for it and um and, and you did, and I did, okay. and so um, I and I, but I also had an experience. I was I had gone to a couple of stores in New York, and uh, this was like two thousand nine ish, and I would look on the shelf the where the salamis were sold, and I thought like, wow, there's just there's so many cheeses in this store, but there's like almost no salami. There was, oh, a, there was a couple of them. That's and, true. Uh, it's really boomed though. It it's really has boomed. It's following cheese. It's crazy. In the yeah. last few years, yeah. it's changed a lot. But at that time, it was different. It and was so needed. It was, it was needed. needed. Okay. And so I thought that there was, you know, it helped our, my chances of, of potential success. Right, this. right. <laughs> now, since this is a cheese show, I'm going to um, feel pretty comfortable asking really stupid questions. That's okay. Um, about curing meat or, you know, figuring some of my cheese-centric listeners share my low level no of, stupid of expertise. <laughs> so, so I know you wanted to start your own business, but what did you consider on your way to meat? Did you consider cheese? Did you consider hardware, like your family? Uh, well, I definitely considered hardware. Um, I definitely considered light bulbs. Um, <laughs> light bulbs, yeah. did you? Light bulbs, yeah. Oh, okay, like new ones, newfangled like, uh, ones? I knew a lot about light bulbs because that was something that I, I spent a lot of time uh, sell, buying and selling, actually, at, at my, my father's store. Mm. Um, and so it was known, had a... A huge light bulb selection, selling all kinds of light bulbs. Okay, um, it was so, but um, I you know, it, I I was pretty lucky. You know, I had a um, I just sort of you know when you ha- you have an aha moment, mm-hmm. and um, I was very lucky to have an aha moment uh, at, during that period of time. Okay. And um, I mean, yeah, I thought about all kinds of different things, mm-hmm. but um, I felt like this is the one that really made the most sense, and um, you know. Would 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 keep me on track mm-hmm. for for a few years. And mm-hmm. It's been a few years. Okay. <laughs> now for the book, yeah. I like to ask, how did the idea for the book come about? Did you pitch it, or did someone come to you? I was again very lucky. Um, I, 
I had always loved writing. Writing is something I've always done in my spare time. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of writing in my mm-hmm. spare time. Um, but um, in this case, someone someone came to me. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a, a little stand in the Madison Square Park mm-hmm. a couple times throughout the year where they had these they have these outdoor markets where they mm-hmm. set up a bunch of kiosks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like a food market. Um, right. And so we set up a little panini stand with our like a little sandwich bar with mm-hmm. our salamis. We'd make paninis, and mm-hmm. uh, it was fun. And um, one day I got a, uh, an email from an editor at uh, who said, "Hey, you know, I'm a, I eat a lot of paninis from your from your <laughs> stand, and I really like your paninis. I wonder <laughs> if could you write a book? About I wonder it. if you could write a book about the stuff in between the bread because um, we're looking to do a charcuterie book." And she's, you know, I may be totally, I may be totally off-centered on this, and 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 if I am, forgive me. And, and I was. Oh, you were delighted. I was, bet. I was so happy. What an opportunity! It was an amazing opportunity. I. Uh, and uh, that became your editor, or that became. That became my editor, wow. and, uh, wow. and I responded. So you were discovered. I guess at your at I your guess, sandwich stand. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, um, well, um, so. I was very flattered that mm-hmm. she would she would, she would ask you. She would ask. Now, with food books, there's always a decision. Yeah. Uh, is it going to be all recipes? So how did you decide what to include? What was And what was your first idea, and did it stay the same, or did it evolve? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I think that the... Um, I think that the editor was really interested in doing something. I mean, really wanted to, like, find... You know where this book would fit in, in the sort of, in the context of all the other charcuterie books that are out there because there's a lot of them right. now. And right. you know the, the question how how could we make help this to stick out? Right. And um, so the idea came out out or it came about to do a book that was charcuterie focused, but it was more like salt curing focused, mm-hmm. and okay. to try to in, in, include something you know include. Obviously, make the focal point of the book meat because that's right. kind of what I, what I've come to know. Um, but also include some non-meat mm-hmm. curing recipes, and also include a section in the book that really helps the reader, uh, teaches the reader how to cook and how to incorporate different types of cured meats right. into their into their daily cooking. Now that were those were my favorites because yeah. I'm probably not going to start yeah. making sausage at home. And that was the idea. So was the thought, I yeah. loved uh, the polenta recipe. Thanks, looks man. great. Thanks, and man. the Spanish tortilla recipe looks Thanks, great. Man. And it reminds me of actually my mother's way of making omelet. Uh, so I'm like you. really excited <laughs> to try that one. Thank you, Diane. Yeah. That was, I mean, that, that, that was the exciting part of the book because... Um, you know, people cook every day, but not necessarily. Right. At least people here in the United States don't necessarily eat salami every day. But there's so many ways that you could incorporate right. salami into your cooking. Right. I think right. are sort of un- unknown. So that was part of the idea of the book. And you can keep it around yeah. so that you can sprinkle it in for a little meat. Because totally. now it's getting more fashionable to eat a little meat instead and of all meat. And that's the idea. You could yeah. buy a salami for... You know what might seem like a lot of money in a store, but if you think about it over the course of three or four or five meals, right, and right. Uh, you're not going to have to go out and buy a fresh piece of meat, right, um, right. Then, okay. Now, who do you feel your audience is in terms of? I've done a book on one-hour cheese. I've done uh, the book on speed brewing. Um, but I'm wondering who at home will persevere. And 
uh, with a cured meat recipe in terms of the money, the wait for it to be finished. Uh, the, yeah. Uh, who who do you think picks up the book and says, "I'm going to make this"? Well, I think uh, I think there's a lot of interest in in curing foods these days, mm-hmm. and so I think definitely the the person who is interested in learning more about mm-hmm. curing food, curing meats, especially, and who's willing to put time into it at home, but doesn't necessarily want to devote their whole life to mm-hmm. it, you know, was mm-hmm. looking for a side project. Right. So definitely like the, the, the meat enthusiast, uh, mm-hmm. the meat, the hobbyist, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the, the, the meat curious, um, mm-hmm. because like I said, you know, you, you can pick up the book just for the recipes right. and you don't have to go, you know, you can, you know, as although I would love for all you know all the readers of the book to use Charlito's Cocina Salami in their recipes, right, right, right. Because will uh, the what if they they might stop buying your products because they become so good? Well, I mean, are you worried? No, I'm not worried. About that. <laughs> no, there's enough water there's... to float all all of our boats. <laughs> okay, and this, okay. But um, but you know, like I know. Uh, you know, one day you'll be able to buy our salami everywhere, but right. I know there's a lot of places right. where you can't buy it. Right. Um, and a lot of parts of the country where you might find another kind of salami. So you could pick up the book up right. for, right. you know, the recipes and sort of and sub right. out. Throw it in. or And, and it's also interesting else's. to learn how things are made, oh. even if you're not planning on yeah. making them yourself. Exactly. So, yeah. um, I mean, to answer your question, I think it's you know the, the meat curious as, but it's also like just home home cooks, the home uh-huh. cooking curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, do you imagine um, the home cook will become good at one recipe, or they'll try ten of them? Well, I hope that they try all of them. Uh-huh. Um, I hope uh-huh. that they, but um, you know, I I think. One of the things that I tried to do was offer a nice variety, yeah. um, offer recipes mm-hmm. that could be done um, quickly for people who don't have a ton of time right. to right. to do this. Um, but also, you know, there are some recipes in there that require some time and some mm-hmm. preparation and some right. patience. And right. um, so, um, I, you know, I, if somebody picks, you know, if somebody picks at least one recipe in there and becomes really good at it, I will be mm-hmm. very flattered. Oh, okay. And uh, <laughs> it'll be a good feeling. But if they pick 10, that'll right. be a nice feeling, okay. too. Okay. Now, in your business, what's what are the hardest to make? In our business? Yeah. Um, and, what, uh, and what at home is the hardest to make? Like, is there a big difference? Well, I think that um, in our business, uh, all of the dry-cured salamis are the hardest to make. I mean, we happen to be in a very, very heavily regulated... Oh, okay. Is it the regulations? It's from the regulations. Okay. So it's actually okay. easier to make it at home than in the business. Oh, because you don't, you don't have to deal with the nobody's government. coming to check you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, okay. So, okay. But um, well, can you somewhat separate that out just from the actual creation rather than the testing? Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, you know, I, sal- the salamis. In the book are probably harder to make than some of the the, the non salamis because the salamis require uh, cutting cutting of the meat and also mm-hmm. requires f- uh, fermentation mm-hmm. in addition to the drying processes. So there's a lot of um, you know there's there's sort of more margin for error with the salamis because you have just more steps okay. and then more okay. um, more steps that are prone to a 
to a high number of variables. And are you so, differentiating them with sausage or with the whole meat? I'm differentiating them, yeah, with both. With, oh, okay, with on the, both sides. With the, okay. With, right, with a sausage that's okay. meant to be cooked right. after you make it and mm-hmm. with a whole muscle that's just salted down, essentially, and, and hunked dry. Right. With a salami, you've got, you've got to basically make a sausage but then ferment it and right, dry it right. so you're making something that again you're not cooking or anything um but it's meant but by the time it's finished that uh, it's meant to just be eaten as is right so, now is that the recipe where you talk about um mix it well enough so that the fat Stays kind of solid, but now what happens if you undermix, and what happens if you overmix? In that case, well, if if you undermix, you run the risk of the spices and the salt and oh, just being too sporadic. Yeah, not being evenly distributed. Okay, Um, so with taste, you could get a weird bite. Exactly, or Or, too spicy, or like in the drying. Like for example, if the salt doesn't make it to like, you know, for the for the salami to cure properly, mm-hmm. the salt, uh, the meat needs to come into contact with the salt. So if you okay. don't mix it well enough, maybe you have some meat that doesn't touch mm. the salt, and it goes rancid. For example, okay. Um, okay. goes bad. So there's that. Um, and then if you overmix it, you're on the risk of. Um, does it turn of, it into pepperoni? Does it could? Well, well I mean, because I wondered, you don't have a pepperoni recipe. Yeah, well, Is that well mixed? It depends. Pepperoni. Uh, I mean, there's different styles of pepperoni. I think yeah. that we we do some chorizo in there. Yeah. Uh, which is, I will always say, it's like a Spanish version of a pepperoni. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I, I, so I, um, so I feel pepperoni is no offense to pepperoni, uh, sort of lower. Good pepperoni. Lower. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been trained. We've been conditioned to uh, to know, think it's just like you might as well throw it like a frisbee. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you have really good pepperoni, okay, made it, okay, then it's awesome, Diane. <laughs> okay. It's, I don't think I have had really good pepperoni. Oh, perhaps we're gonna have to change that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> please to, do. We'll we'll make some one day and uh, and get you some, but. Yeah, and if you overmix it, you can you can break down the the protein particles too much, and you run the risk of uh, either the meat becoming too warm and like the fat particles coating the meat and preventing the meat from drying. Um, mm. You run the risk of the texture of the meat changing. Um, Are these things? Does it does it make it um, inedible or just? Not it dep- excellent, or it, it could do it. Could it can do both? Like so, mm-hmm. if you if the fat becomes too, if the fat smears, yeah, too much, and it coats the the protein particle, mm-hmm. um, it'll it basically prevents the the meat particle, the protein particle, from drying. Oh, okay. It sort of like the moisture. encapsulates it. Yeah, and in that case, it it'll make it inedible inedible because it'll. Oh. Okay, it'll be, be dangerous. It'll be rotten. Okay, um, okay. But, and can you tell that as the home person when you cut into it that it's rotten? Yeah, absolutely. You can. It'll smell terrible. Yeah, or look okay. terrible. Okay. Uh, the problem is you have to wait until it's done most of the time. <laughs> right, but, uh, right, which could take yeah, weeks. Um, which could take weeks. Okay, we're, it's time for a break. Okay. Uh, this is Diane Stemple talking about Cured with Charles Wexelbaum. We'll be back in a flash. Bye.
Today's program is brought to you by the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese, period. Why? Lush grasslands, glacial water supply, fourth-generation cheesemakers, combining old-world tradition with the new ideas and highest standards. The very best milk. What do you think of when you think of Wisconsin cheese? For me, I think cheese curds, delicious fresh cheese curds, or deep-fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese Company, the operation behind the Pleasant Ridge Reserve cheese that's literally America's most awarded cheese. I think of the deliciously stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think about Raleigh's Dumbarton Blue, a perfect blend of English-style cheddar and notes of blue. I think of Emmy Roth's Grand Cru Chirchois, which was named 2016's World Champion at the World Championship Cheese Contest. Wisconsin is like the world champion of cheese, and once you start reading the list of cheeses made in Wisconsin on their website, you can see why. The Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board is a nonprofit organization funded entirely by Wisconsin's dairy farm families. Read more at eatwisconsincheese.com. And as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, eat Wisconsin cheese. It's a no-brainer. Hi, this is Diane Stample back on Cutting the Curd with Charles Wexelbaum talking about his book, Cured. Um, okay, how long did it take to write the book? Uh, it took about, I would say about four months, probably. Okay. Um, and when? Uh, when and where? Nights and weekends. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. And uh, in, my, in my apartment. Um, yeah. You know, it was, um, especially towards the end there, it was a lot. I think for probably like the last two months, it was every day of every weekend just sitting yeah. at the table mm-hmm. in the kitchen with <laughs> coffee. <laughs> okay. Was it hard to translate the recipes back from business to home? Yes, it was. Um, I think especially, um, you know, you know, in, well, in, in 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 business, you know, in, the, in our in our business, you right. know, the recipes, the formulations are very exact. Right. But for a lot of the, right. uh, you know, a lot of the recipes, the non-salami recipes, um, like when you're actually cooking at home, I'm very used in my way of doing it. I do a little of this, little of right, that. Right. Right. And um, you know, the um, the editor that I was working with, she was very much like, "No, you've got to measure <laughs> everything out, and everything's got to be exact." Right. And, right. And so that was really hard for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, just because it was... Did you have to retest everything? Like, making it small at home and test it, or yeah. did someone else help you test? Uh, we, we did a lot of that, yeah. yeah. A lot of testing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, did some testing in the in our, in our production facility as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Because I, I think that would be a big job, making sure yeah. what you said... Was going to work. I yeah. love the font, though. The font on the uh, recipes looks like hand scrawl almost. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It, it's a nice font. Now, did you, you make the decision? Did you get to? I had uh, well, the the publisher that I worked with was really communicative with me and allowed allowed me to have a lot of input mm-hmm. in the process, which I was very very grateful for. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, the decision was theirs for what fonts were you know for right the sort of on the on the creative side i guess so mm-hmm. they, um but um 
but I, I would say it, it was pretty collaborative. But uh-huh. like, I, I, it's not really. I, I'm not really any good at that. Uh, <laughs> um, How do you know? So I mean, I, I probably did you right pick the font? I didn't pick the font. Oh, okay. But I did say it would be cool to have something playful, something but. like because one of the one of the sort of uh, I guess tones I was hoping to get across in the book mm-hmm. was that of of like approachability yeah yeah fun because mm-hmm. um one of you know in our industry and in sort of the, the wine and cheese and charcuterie nook of the world you know we, we get a bad rap for being snobby right for being unapproachable right. and like if you don't know about this and you're sort of not welcome right and, right um, so your font is very approachable so the font the idea was like <laughs> To give in all our welcome yeah, yeah, uh, feel yeah. to the book. Yeah, so. good, good. I think it worked. <laughs> Thanks. Um, do you have any, um, what culinary skills would help the new curer? Like, what should you have be good at yeah. or already accomplished? I would say definitely keeping a knife sharp. Okay. Uh, Keeping okay. a knife sharp is because... Very important. Very important because okay. product definition is really important. Okay, um, so are knife skills also important? I would say knife skills are important, but the most important knife skill is the ability to keep your knife sharp. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. it's really important. I do not have that ability. Well, I have, I I have mean, a really yeah. a bad set of unsharp mm, knives. There's a guy, I'm sure, in a truck that rides around. Yeah, the yeah I wish there could... was. There's, I there's, wish there was. Some, are there still? They guys? still are. Yeah, there's okay. a few of them still left. Otherwise, I could take them to the hardware store. Okay, I live yeah. on the seventh floor, so I can't run down 